I want to talk to you um, about being in the middle, being in the middle this morning. And um, how many of you ever been in a situation that you're caught between a rock and a hard place? You ever been there? You ever been in a situation you're like, dang, how did I get here? I mean, it's just like, kind of like stuck or something, something, something's going on. It's just in a difficult place. And the only way that you could survive the middle, the only way you could come out of the middle is God help you. Has anybody, anybody ever, anybody been in the middle and you, you hollered out? How many knows what I, talk, what I mean by holler? We got some hollering folks in here. They just holler out, Jesus help me. You know, anybody ever been there? Maybe, maybe you're there this morning. I, I, I've told this story before. So if you've heard it before, just pretend like you've never heard it before. Uh, I was in the middle of something years ago. It was in October of 2006, October, November of 2006. And uh, we were living out west, and uh, I, was, um, I was hunting. I was, uh, loved to hunt and enjoy hunting with uh, bows and arrow and archery. You know, I just enjoyed that. And I was by myself this particular morning, which was against my wife's advice. Husbands, listen to your wives. You, you'll do better in life. So anyway, um, so I was by myself and I'm going to condense the story. I found myself in between, um, two cute little two year old black bear cubs and their mama. Yeah. always right. That's what I said. And so, uh, all of this happened within about 45 seconds that I am, you know, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. 45 seconds later, I realized that, uh, I am between a mom and her babies, her babies have already ran past me because they're running from something. I wasn't sure what spooked them. And um, so, of course, when, when baby bears, when they're like two-year-old cubs, so they're about the size of a dog. And so when they run by you, the first thing you wonder is, where's mama? <laughs> and uh, my greatest fear was, my greatest fear was realized when I looked up and here's mama. She is running and she's running at me. Now, again, what do I have in my hand? I have a bow and arrow, bow and arrow. And so, thankfully, I had already put an arrow in, and, and I had uh, put the release on the knock, and I'm standing there, the mom's coming. And uh, I had encountered, up to that point, I had encountered a few black bears in the wild before, and with black bears, you just holler at them, and you just scream at them. Typically, or my experience has always been, when you scream at them, you holler at them, they run the other way. And so, uh, I decided that I'm going to scream, and I'm going to holler at this mama bear running at me, which is probably about from me to the back of the sanctuary at this point. Maybe a little bit further than that. And so I screamed and I hollered at this, this, uh, this bear. She's running towards me because at this point she doesn't see me. She doesn't know I'm on the world, but I want her to discover me out there versus like right here. And so when I screamed at her, uh, guess what happened? She took off running the other way. No, she didn't. That was the plan. That plan didn't work, right? So when I screamed at her, she didn't slow down. She didn't check up. She didn't hesitate. She turned on the jets and she's coming at me. What, if I, what do I have in my hand? I have a bow and a, an arrow. And so uh, when I realized, yes, yeah, she's coming, this is not a bluff, she's, she's coming after me, I drew the bow back and I released. And when I released, she was about from here to the front row from me. It, the arrow struck her in a place that caused her to turn and she ran the other way. Some people have asked me, hey, when you scream, was it anything spiritual? No, it was probably sound like a girl. I don't know. It was just... <laughs> So when we get to heaven and you say, hey, I would like to see that moment with Pastor John with a bear thing. God's going to, I'm going to say, no, God, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I scream like a girl. But anyway, she turned and she went the other way. And when she took off running the other way, guess what I did? I turned and I took off the other way. 
opposite from her. I've had, um, uh, so my point was I was in the middle of a bad situation and I can tell you for sure God delivered me, God helped me. I, I could shoot then, I shot a lot and I was good with my bow, but I wasn't that good. Not to hit a running target running at me. There's just no way. I know that God moved in my life. How many knows that some of your greatest battles and your scariest moments will be in the middle? You know, some of your greatest battles will be in the middle, but do you also have to realize that some of your greatest victories will be in the middle? You know, the, Jesus' uh, disciple, they know about that. The, there was one night that Jesus was with, uh, evening, afternoon, that Jesus was with, uh, was with his disciples and he preached this great message. There were people everywhere. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to his disciples, uh, listen, um, you guys just go ahead, get in the boat. They were near the sea, get in the boat. And what I want you guys to do is just go ahead. I'm going across the sea and I'll catch up with you later. And so Jesus is hanging back with the crowd because he's going to dismiss the crowd. And, and, and so the Bible says that the disciples get in the boat. And then in Mark chapter 6, verse 47, it gives us this picture. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Where was it in the lake? It was in the middle of the lake. And he was alone on the land. So, so what, what I want you to, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Just go back and read it because to me, this is very funny. How many believe that the Bible has got humor in it? The, the Bible is not boring. If you believe the Bible is boring, it's not you. It's not the Bible, it's you. You're boring. <laughs> right? So, so, so Jesus has sent the disciples off. He sees them there in the middle, of the, uh, the middle of the lake. So Jesus gets up a little bit later and he starts walking. So here, here, here's what's happening. So, so the, 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 uh, the, the disciples are in the boat. They're in the middle of the sea or just probably past the middle of the sea just a little bit. And they're rowing, right? And the, the Bible says that there was a strong headwind against them. So they were giving it all they had, but they weren't making it anywhere. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where you are giving it all you've got? I mean, all your faith, all your strength, everything that you've got in you, but you're still not making any progress anybody's ever been in that place but but look i love this part and so this is going on and so say they look off to the side and guess what who they see they see jesus and i love this jesus is just walking by the bible actually says that that is so funny to me because they're just struggling and jesus is like while he's passing them He's walking by and they scream at him because they think he's a ghost. Now they just saw him. They just left him and they've already forgotten what he looks like. I know it's pretty bad when you don't remember what Jesus looks like. <laughs> so they cry out to Jesus. And when they cry out to Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus got, I love this part, got in their boat and verse 51 says and when he climbed in with them the wind died down they were completely amazed do you know that sometimes it can get really really messy in the middle get scary and get messy but listen to me when you get jesus in the boat when you're in the middle it's going to be better let me say it this way when you get jesus in your life even even though the the you're caught in the middle and things are difficult it's going to get better <laughs> amen so if you're watching online right now just go ahead and type in the chat room jesus is in my boat and it's going to get better amen Jesus is in my boat, and it's going to get what? It's going to get, let me give you another uh, middle moment. If you guys that have been around a while, been around me a while, you know one of my favorite events in the Bible. Yes, yeah, old David. 
I just love it. I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I want to see all this go down, right? I just want to see how it went. Maybe you can go back and watch the events of God's people, and I think it's pretty cool. So let me set this up. David's people, the Israelites, the Israel army, they were on this side on a, on a, on a ridge, and then on this side you had the Philistines. And the Bible says that there was a valley in the middle. And every day for 40 days, uh, there would be a couple of people that would exit or they would come out from the line of the Philistines. Then the Philistines, just to give a little bit of perspective, was a longstanding uh, enemy of God's people. They'd, they'd just been fighting and battling back and forth for, you know, for decades. This had been going on. And, and so, so uh, for twice a day, for 40 days, two people would step out from the ranks. They would step out. Where would they step out to? They would step out to the middle. Two people were his armor bearer, Goliath. is was a giant of a man. It was the best that the Philistines had and his armor bearer. So they would, both of them would step out of the middle and Goliath would, would, would make this, these, these declarations. He would taunt them and he would call them things because he was trying to get somebody to come out and fight him. Let me say this. He was trying to get somebody to come out to the middle and for 40 days, nobody would go out to the middle until the 41st day. David steps out. He hears what Goliath says. And David said, I'll go to the middle. I'll fight him. Again, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Listen to me. There are times in your life that you have to be willing to go to the middle. Your problem, your challenges, often they're not going to leave and they're not going to go away. You can beg God and you can cry, cry out to God, but it's not until you're willing to go to the middle to deal with whatever's been screaming at you for years that that problem or whatever it is can be dealt with. You've got to go to the middle. Why? Because that is where God is always at. Can everybody better in than that? David stepped out. And where did David go? David went to the middle. And look, look what happened. We know, we know the end of the story, right? We, we know the end of the story. 1 Samuel 17, 50 says, so David, he went to the middle. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, uh, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. And again, there was a great victory and it happened in the middle. But ladies and gentlemen, that moment, the moment in the middle almost didn't happen. It, it almost didn't happen. He's like, well, what happened? Well, there, there was something that happened before he even, David even got to the middle. So David is on the way. He's volunteered. There was his brother that, that heard that he had volunteered and his brother got upset with him. Here, here's, what, here's what happened. First Samuel 17, 28, it says his oldest brother, Eliab, heard uh, what he said to the men that I'll go volunteer. I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go beat the, beat the, put a beat down. Who knows what a beat down is? Go put a beat down on Goliath. And listen to what, Eli, what happened to what Eliab, his response to that was. He became very angry with David. So why have you come here with whom, with whom have you left those uh, few sheep in the desert? I know, the, I, I know your pride and the sin of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. But for 40 days, nobody's been moving. There was no battle. The, the, the thing that I want to point out there was that Eliab became very angry angry with David. So I'm going to spend the rest of this message dedicated to talking and focusing on Eliab's issue. That was anger. 
Because, but I want you to pay close attention to what David did. So he was angry. Eliab was angry, but, but watch what David did. First Samuel 17, 30. It says, then David turned away from him to another and asked the same question. Go back to the very few, one, two, three, four, five, first six words. Then David turned, what? Away from him. So, so, so Eliab is screaming at David. He's accusing David of things. And, and, and instead of engaging in that battle, instead of David responding to Eliab's anger, do you know what David did? He did the smart thing. He did the wise thing. And again, I love what it says is that David turned from Eliab. Why did he do that? Because he knew he had a bigger battle to fight. He knew he had a better battle to fight. And he wasn't going to waste his time trying to defend himself against something that wasn't true to begin with, somebody that was angry. Listen, David recognized, listen, David recognized that he wasn't there to fight his brother. He knew that. He knew he was there to fight for God's purpose. Everybody look at me. Listen to me. Point number one, point number one, talking about anger is that anger distracts. Anger will always distract, and that's exactly what David recognized. David recognized, he, you know what? I know that all this is is a distraction, and I'm not going to spend my life engaged in that battle because I know there is another battle that I've got to fight. It's bigger. It's better. It's not about me. It's about God and his purpose. And how many of you know when you begin to fight with, uh, not with God, but for God and his purpose, let me tell you something, you will win every single time time can somebody have an amen to that David knew that this was not just a natural battle that he was there to engage in. He knew that this was a spiritual battle that he was there to to fight. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the reason in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, uh, Paul wrote this. He said, our fight is not with people. Our fight's not with folks. It's against leaders and the powers of the spirits of darkness in this world. It is against the demon world that, 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 that works in the heavens. Listen, spiritual battles can only be won with spiritual weapons. The reason David said, you come at me with a spiritual sword, but I come at you not with a slingshot. I come at you with what? The name of the... The Lord. This is a spiritual issue, Goliath, and I'm going to beat you. I'm going to use some natural things, but I'm going to beat you because I'm approaching you because this, with the heart or the mind or the mindset, this is a spiritual issue and I'm dealing with it. Listen, please, Christian folks, Jesus followers, lovers of the Most High God, fight. The fight that you can win. And fight in the arena that you can win in. Fight the fight that you can win. And fight in the arena that you can win in. Everybody look at me. Listen to me on social media. You cannot win your battles on social media, it's the wrong arena. You go, tell us, Pastor John, what arena can we fight in? (laughs) Prayer. It's funny to me. It's funny to me that Jesus said, hey, guys, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees. And go pray and put your prayers on social media. 
It's modern day. <laughs> right? He said, where do you go and pray? Go to your closet. Pray there. And what you pray in the closet is going to be seen in public. Amen. You're not going to win in the arena of social arena. I have yet to see anybody that was converted or came over to the other side because somebody on social media argued them over. <laughs> Moving right along. There's another moment in the middle of Jesus and his disciples. He was with his disciples. Jesus is um, on his last, his, his last trip to Jerusalem. This is it. In other words, he's been with his guys, disciples, almost three and a half years. And so he's, he's, he's going back with them. He's got all of his 12. He's been fine-tuning them over, over, over three and a half years, kind of getting them all on the same team. And they're getting a vision of what they're supposed to do. And they're pretty clear on it, you know, not quite. Everything's not absolutely clear. But Jesus has been working with them for, for three and a half years. And so they're walking along, last trip to Jerusalem. Just within hours, Jesus is going to be on the cross. He's predicted. He's talked about it several times to them. And then uh, they stopped somewhere. I don't know if they stopped, you know, get some water or whatever, but, but they stopped. And, and, and so, so somehow uh, Jesus finds himself near two of the disciples. Their name was John and James. They were brothers. They were called the sons of thunder. And, and so they said, hey, Jesus, just, just you, Jesus, just us three. And so Jesus walks over and Jesus said, um, what can I do for you guys? Bros. You know, Jesus would have said bros, right? Oh, what's up, bros? Sons of thunder. I said, look, Jesus, we, we want a favor. We, we want this favor. We, we, we've heard you. We know that you're going to die and you're going to be resurrected. And this kingdom thing is going about to just, it's about to unfold. And we were wondering, just one, we were talking, just me and, my brother here, we were just talking and we just wondered if in the next life, could we sit beside you? Like one on the right and one on the left, just the three of us in the next kingdom. And Jesus said, you have lost your mind up in here. You just have lost your mind. Look, look, what, look, what, look how it affects the other disciples, the, the, other, the, others, uh, the other 10. Mark 10, 41 says, when the other 10 followers heard this, watch this, they began to be what? Begin to be what? Here's the second point, anger divides. Anger divides. Here's how we, here's how we know this. Look at Mark 10, 42 and 43. Watch this. Jesus called them together. So there were two over here and 10 over here. So where was Jesus? Jesus was where? Jesus was where? And he called them where? Together. Do you know why Jesus called them together? Because he knew the dangers of division. Now, now the, these, the, these individuals, these individuals... They, he knew that the, these 12, 
They were going to be the 12 that God would use to, to build and establish his kingdom and his church. These 12, they were, these are the 12 that Jesus prayed for, that, that God, that they would be as one as we're in one. I mean, Jesus had prayed over these guys and he had prayed for them. And so Jesus, he knew that, that there's no way it was dangerous. The moment that they were in, the place that they were in, it was dangerous. That's the reason that Jesus called them where to gather. So Jesus was in the what? In the middle. You know, it's funny to me how people are always wanting to pull one or the other to their side. <laughs> it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. You remember that time? I, uh, never mind. I, it's another story. I can't, I can't, I can't go into that. But it's, 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 it's crazy how people are always wanting to do that. Let, let me say this about sides. Whenever there's sides, neither side wins. Whenever there's sides, neither side is going to win. Do you know the only one who wins? Satan. <laughs> do you know who's laughing really loud right now? He's looking at the tension we're having in our nation. Do you know who's getting the laugh? You know who's laughing? Oh, it's the enemy. <laughs> yes. That is the reason, guys. Listen to me. That is the reason the only, the only folks, the only people that's got a chance of getting this right is the church. It's got to start with the church. Can I have a better amen than that? So, so Jesus, he said, met them in the middle and he created unity. Because listen, Jesus brought them from a place of desiring privilege because that's what they wanted. The two wanted the privilege. They wanted something that nobody else had. The other 10 didn't have and it brought division. So Jesus brought them to the middle and he created unity because he reminded them of their purpose. He said, your purpose here is not uh, to, to be divided. Your purpose is to serve one another because do you know what happens when God's people begin to serve one another? Do you know what happens? God gets the glory and the people gets to see how to do life together. Can somebody say amen to that? Here's the third thing that Anger does. This is another this is another moment in the middle. Is that anger provides. <laughs> anger provides a door. Genesis chapter four, verses six and seven. If you've read the Bible very much, this is uh, probably a, a very familiar verse of scripture. Again, it's two brothers. It's the first two brothers. And so God is 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 talking to one of them. His name is Cain. And, and the Lord asked, or God asked Cain a question. It begins with, why are you what? Angry. The Lord asked him, why is your face so dark with rage? Uh, it can be bright with joy if you will do what you should. But if you refuse to obey, watch out, pay close attention. Sin is waiting to attack you, longing to destroy you. Listen to this, but you can what? Conquer it. You can conquer what? You can conquer the anger. Cain, this, this thing that's brewing in you right now, this thing that's going on in you, listen to me. If you don't get control of it, eventually it will control you. How many ever known anybody that, that just had an anger problem? They were just mad at the world. Don't look at each other. 
My, my brother was like that. My, my middle brother, if he were, I think Chris has been here maybe over the years, maybe once or twice. But, 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 but if, if you were around Chris and, and I told you some stuff about Chris in the past, I'm telling you, you would, it would be hard for you to believe. Chris used to be angry. He was mad at the world. Fight, man, he would fight anything, anytime. If you wanted to fight, he would bring you some and he, he could bring it to you. He was just, he was just so, so angry. Why? Because he had allowed anger to conquer him. But do you know, do you know that anger can be conquered? Can I have a better amen than that? That anger, it can be conquered. It can, you don't have to, I like what one quote says, that anger is one letter from danger. Anger is one letter from danger. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 26 says, uh, says, uh, it's, it's, if you are angry, do not let it become sin. Get over your anger before the day is finished. Watch this. Do not let the devil start working in your life. One translation says, don't give place to the enemy. Why is it that though the enemy is real, as Christians, we live like he's not? I mean, we, we, we say he's real, but why do we live like he's not? Because if, here's the second thing about the enemy you have to understand. If you allow the enemy to come into your life, if you do not conquer anger, if we do not overcome anger, what happens is this, the enemy will have a place and the enemy cannot behave. He can't. Something's going to get stolen. Something's going to get destroyed. Something's going to get, somebody's going to get killed. It's going to happen. So anger does that. Anger will give place to the enemy. Satan is real and he cannot behave. That's the reason that we have to determine. If you have an anger issue in your life, as a matter of fact, uh, we just came from the Freedom Conference. At Life United, we have these life groups called Freedom Groups. Highly recommend that you get in a Freedom Group. Thank you for the overwhelming response. Highly recommend. I went through the Freedom Life Group. I did. Sandy and I went through it. We took the, uh, the we, uh, staff went through it. It's been several months ago. I didn't get to go to the first retreat because at the end of the life group, you go to a retreat. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful. So when you hear about the Freedom Groups here at Life United, get in a group and don't let anything stop you from being a part of that Freedom Group. It would change your life. There were so many people there that I promise you they had anger problems when they came, but they left free from those anger issues. Don't allow anger to conquer you. So this, this last moment in the middle that I want to talk about, and I've got three minutes and 21 seconds. And I'm not going to get it done in three, one, three minutes and 16 seconds. How many give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. Hallelujah. 25, 30. Oh, I, 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 this is awesome. I'm going to be here 40 more minutes. And people's like, you might be, but I'm not. But no, it's not going to be that long. But I, I need you to get this. We're talking about, the, actually the title of the sermon really is Meet Me in the Middle. That's the name of the sermon, Meet Me in the Middle. 
And Kaylin, when I start talking about the cross here in a moment, why don't you come on up and get on the key? Why don't you come on up now? Like family around here, right? The, the next moment is that I want to talk about is uh, it's really with, about Jesus, and it's not on a road, it's not in a house, it's it's actually on a hill. This is a moment that Jesus predicted. It's one of the times he predicted it when he was with his disciples. In John chapter 12, verse 32, he says, When I am lifted up from the earth, pay close attention to this, I will attract all people toward me. This is a moment that Jesus has predicted. This is a, a middle moment. A lot of times over the years I've heard people quote this and they've, They've referenced this scripture, they've quoted this scripture, and they've always connected praise and worship where Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw people to me. They said, well, if we just lift up the name of Jesus, he'll draw, he'll draw people to himself. That's not, that's not a praise and worship scripture. That's not what he was talking about. Matter of fact, in verse 33, you'll see John clearly said, he said this, speaking of the type of death that he should die. So again, this moment in the middle that we're talking about it's Jesus, it's the cross. And, and, and Jesus paints this picture. He predicts this moment. He paints this picture that I, I'm, I'm going to be lifted up. And when I'm lifted up, watch this, I'm going to draw people to me. Let's talk about the type of death. So where's Jesus? He's where? He's in the, he's in the middle. Fourth point is this, is that anger has an antidote. Anger has an antidote. The, the definition of an antidote is a medicine taken to counteract a particular poison. A medicine taken to counteract a particular poison. Do you know that anger is like a poison? Listen to this one. I love this part. Something that counteracts or, I like this, neutralizes an unpleasant feeling or situation. That's what an antidote is. Step back to this moment. Just for a moment. Hold that thought. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Do you know why Cain was angry? Do you know why he was angry? Here's why. Abel also brought a gift. This is kind of the backstory. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs of, uh, from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel. The Lord what? Accepted Abel. The Lord what? Accepted Abel. And his gift, verse 5 says, But he, God, did not accept Cain and his gift. God didn't what? Accept Cain and his gift. Well, why didn't he do that? Because Cain didn't bring what God asked him to bring. The Bible says that, that, that Cain, when he got time, he brought an offering to God. His offering to God. That's not what God asked for. God had asked for the first, not just when he got around to it. And we're not talking about money here. We're not talking about offerings, but listen. So, so, so Cain came to God and Cain said, or excuse me, God said, Cain, I can't accept that. I can't accept you. Look at the next part. This made Cain very what?
and he looked dejected. Do you know, rejection is painful. A person that is not accepted is a hurt person. A person that doesn't feel accepted is a hurt person. Watch this. And a hurt person can become an angry person. Not long ago, I mean, you may remember I've got a little Toyota Tacoma. I call it the taco. Tuck comb, never mind. Taco. You with me? Everybody else with me? And so I decided it's like a 2007. It's got 226,000 miles on it. So I thought, either I'm going to sell it or I'm going to fix it up. Well, I decided to fix it up. And man, it looks cool. The taco rocks, man. It looks awesome. Repainted it and did some work. And I just took it on as a project. I just wanted to do it myself. So I was working on it one day. And there was a part that was stuck. And I had a pair of gloves on. And and it was a couple few months ago. And I'm hitting something trying to get it unstuck. And guess what got in the way? (laughs) My thumb got in the way. I mean, and I'm pouring coal to it trying to get the thing unstuck. And I hit it. And thank you, Jesus, I didn't curse. That was the first victory. I did not. And no foul language came out of my mouth. But I'm telling you, when I hit my thumb, I didn't go, hmm, what happened? Immediately, guess what I did? I took my glove off. Blood was going everywhere I grabbed. And I just went in, and I'm over the, um, over the sink. I grabbed some ice, put it on there because it's busted on the side. It's already swelling. And, and I'm holding it, and I'm just groaning. I'm <laughs> just like, oh. Why? Because it hurt. I felt it. I knew it. There's been studies that have shown us that rejection, when when you're not accepted, you're rejected, triggers the same part of the brain that physical pain is. Same, Same part of the brain. Now, now just, just stay with me. Please be still and listen to this. This is so important. Hours before Jesus hung on the cross, you probably know what happened to him, right? There was a public, very public beating that took place. In other words, the Romans just didn't take people and throw them on the cross. They, they built up to the cross moment. Jesus was beaten with rods over and over and over again. But you know, the Bible never says that he said a word. They took a cat of nine tails. It was, it was, it was an instrument of torture that the Romans used. And I'm not going to go into details, but basically it, it, when they hit you with it, 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 would, it, would, it would rip your skin. It would, it would rip hide and it would rip flesh over and over and over again. But again, the Bible never records that Jesus said a word. He was spat upon. He never said a word. Crown of thorns put on his head. He never said a word until he made it to the middle. Until he made it to the middle. Until he hung on the cross. Then the Bible says that he said seven statements. Seven statements. Five of the statements, go back and study. It's very, I think it's very, very interesting. 
Five of the statements, the Bible says that he just said it. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He just said it. Take care of my mom. He just said it. But there was a moment that Jesus didn't say it. He cried out. In Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, And at three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a mighty voice in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you departed me? Why have you rejected me, Father? It wasn't just a little saying that he said. It wasn't in a normal tone of voice. He screamed in pain. And you know why he screamed in pain? Because for the first time in his life, he was no longer accepted by his father. And it hurt him to the core. people in pain they're going to release what's on the inside of them and it was at that moment that Jesus felt the pain that every human is born with every human is born with the pain that Jesus experienced every human it was the pain of rejected rejection did you know that when you were born you were not born accepted by God That's the reason in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Are you following this? We're all born. You say, well, how? Why? Because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they messed up, it messed humanity up. So when Jesus cried out and he made that statement because he was feeling the pain that every human is born with. Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled and I've lived in different cultures and different countries. I have seen it over and over and over again. Rejected people are angry people. Because we're all born with this sense of emptiness. We're all born and we're, because we're born with it, it's just like it's so normal. It's just so, so common. We don't even realize that something's wrong, but we're just angry. Humanity's that way. See, because he became unacceptable to God. That's what happened. 2 Corinthians 5.21. If we could could just take that moment and pull the curtains back and see kind of from God's perspective when when Jesus, his son, cried cried out. If we could just pull the curtains back and look at God's perspective, here's what was happening. 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for God made Christ who had never sinned to be an offering for our sin. Watch this. So that we could become right with God through Christ. You see, at that moment when Jesus cried that, made that cry and then there was that pain came out of him. Uh, if we could see it from God's perspective, what we would see is, is, is my son, God's son, God's son has become sin. And, and we would see God pulling away from him. Because God and sin can't be in the same place at the same time. But he became sin for us. He became unacceptable so that we could become acceptable. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the cure or the antidote for anger. Listen. God's righteousness is the antidote for our rejection, our pain, and anger for everyone. Paul said this, wrote to the Romans. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel 
Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Watch this. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Wasn't there before, but now it is. It's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what is God saying to you this morning? What is God saying to us? What is God saying to the church? Here's what I believe he's saying. I believe he's saying, God, excuse me, guys, church, meet me in the middle. Meet me in the middle. Because anger, listen, anger, if you want to trace it back, anger can be traced back to the fact that we were born separate from God. But God cured that problem for us. Let me say, he gave us the opportunity to take the antidote. You say, how do I take the antidote? You take the antidote, listen, by putting your faith in what Jesus did for you. And here's why this is important. Listen to this. Maybe you're listening online and you you need to hear this. Everybody's not going to accept you. You can try, you can work real hard to get people to like you, to accept you, but there are people that are not going to accept you. It's going to happen for a variety of reasons. But if you will begin to put your faith in the fact that Jesus became sin for you. Jesus became unacceptable so that you could be accepted by God. If you will start with that, it won't make you any difference who accepts, who rejects you because you know that God accepts you and his opinion is the only one that really matters. People are so hungry to be just accepted. Listen, it's going to happen. People are just going to reject people because we're, 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 we, 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 we live in a fallen world and the world can't get it right. The world's not going to get it right. The church is where it begins. It's reason in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, and I'm done with this. It says, accept one another, then, watch this, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We didn't rehearse this. Just go ahead and jump up here. I remember the first time I met this young man. I remember it. This was not rehearsed, right? <laughs> I remember the first time I met him. I, I, re, I remember that that uh, that uh, he had what do you call those things? Yeah. Uh, gauges. Yeah. What else? Uh, gauges. Gauges. Just loop things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when I saw you the first time. I thought, man, that dude—he looks mean. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I did. I looked and went, man, he looks like wouldn't want to cross him. But you know, I decided. I decided, I don't care what he looks like. Before I even know his name, I knew he was a Christian and I knew I was going to accept him, not because of whatever those things were, 
I didn't accept him because of that. I didn't accept him because, uh, you know, he was like me or not like me. I remember looking at him and I went, you know what? I'm going to accept him because Jesus accepts him. And the same price that was paid for me was paid for him. So he's not any better than me. He's not, I'm not any more righteous than he is. We, we look different. We've got different things in our, I don't, I didn't have any things in my ears. <laughs> but I remembered. And you know what happened? I got to know this guy. And he's cool. And he loves Jesus. And he loves God. And he wants to make a difference in the world. And we got something in common because of that. It doesn't matter about the outside stuff. What matters is on the inside stuff and what we have got in common. And we all needed, we both needed Jesus. We both got Jesus. And that's what brings us together. Can somebody say amen to that? That's what brings us together. Thank you. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. We love you. We thank you for the work of the cross. Father, we choose to put our faith in you. We choose God to meet you in the middle because that's where you are. That we all had a common need. We all had a common problem. We were born separate from God. We had this big hole in us and we're mad about it. We were hurt by it. But God, you gave us the antidote when you gave us your son. So Father, we choose to trust the gospel we choose to trust your word put our faith in that and that alone God that antidote we believe it begins to release in our hearts and it begins to heal our heart and it begins to heal our hurt and we begin to see ourselves the way that you do we look at we look at ourselves we look at each other through your lenses through your lens, through the cross. That is why, Father, we choose to meet you in the middle. In Jesus' precious name, everyone that agrees that says a great big...